0: Hey, everybody, welcome to episode eight of Fearless Rebel Radio. In this episode, I talked to one of my best friends and my quote unquote work wife, Sarah Ramsden, who's a certified nutritional practitioner and fermentation nerd, as well as the co-creator on SNS TV with me about how to step into your fears and doubts to make big or small changes in your life and everything that you need to know about fermented foods. So we talk about how to overcome your doubts so that you can achieve goals and let go of the resistance you have towards putting yourself first. How to quote unquote, just fucking do it and get things done in life. And then we talk all about fermented foods. So what are they? Why are they important for our health? How do you know if you need to be eating fermented foods and how much should you be eating? What to do if you fuck up your fermentation? Are you gonna get botulism? That was my big question and hint, the answer is no, in case you decide not to listen to this whole episode, plus everything about Sarah's online fermentation course and classes, Fearless Fermentation. Before we get started, I just wanna remind you to head to summerinnin.com or simply put summerthenutritionist.com into your browser to grab your free Rule Breakers Guide to Rocking Your Body, including 10 missions to get you started to break up with a diet mentality and love your body. All right, let's get started. Do you know where you are? You're in Fearless Rebel Radio, baby. I am your host Summer Inanin, a certified nutritional practitioner, diet rebel, and food lover on a mission to help you feel hot damn fearless in your body. Fearless Rebel Radio is here to empower you to defy the standards and break the rules in order to radiate confidence, relish in your uniqueness, and live life fearlessly on your own terms. Every episode I will help you to do this by sharing practical advice, not so PG rated rants, and interviews with fearless rebel guests. Welcome to the show. What's up, everybody? I am pumped for today's guest. You may know her as my better half on SNS TV and Whole9 Canada, and who I often refer to as my work wife. Sarah Ramsden. Sarah Ramsden is a certified nutritional practitioner, a brain tumor survivor, or thriver, we'll call it, and manages multiple sclerosis naturally. A complete and utter fermentation nerd, she's the creator of Fearless Fermentation that offers online video-based fermentation classes and a community for beginners. She's the co-creator of SNS TV and one half of Whole Mind Canada. Based in Toronto, Canada, she works with clients around the world, helping them change their expectations and take control of their health. She has helped alleviate everything from autoimmune disorders to irritable bowel syndrome, adrenal fatigue, mental health issues, and blood sugar dysregulation. I'm really excited to have Sarah here today because she's not only a dear friend of mine who shares half of my brain with me because we do things like send each other the exact same email at the exact same time or name things fearless without knowing that the other one did it. Uh, But she's also someone who has like a really, really cool story and she's working on some amazing stuff right now. So I can't wait to talk to her more about it. Welcome to the show, Sarah.
1: Hey, I was trying not to laugh that whole time.
0: Yeah, can we just tell the story about the Fearless Fermentation name, like, that oh I, I started the podcast, Fearless Rebel Radio, and, yeah, well, you, you can... And of- then,
1: well, I mean, I had this other name, it was, like, my working name for the project while I was working on it, because my fermentation project is a bit of a mouthful, so I had this other working name, um, which wasn't going to work for, like, a an actual product to sell or anything... And, uh, you know, I had this idea in my head and then someone else out there confirmed it. So, you know, I was chatting with like Diane Sanfilippo online and she's like, what about Fearless? And I was like, yeah, I was thinking the same thing. And so I just rolled with Fearless and did the branding. And then suddenly I was like, I don't know, like two weeks later, I realized that you had said something to me that we had both named something Fearless. And I literally twigged like two weeks after that conversation. was <laughs> But it's not uncommon. Like, <laughs> it's really not surprising. We, I, think I, I think we had this conversation and then two weeks later, I literally, I texted you and go, oh my God, I just figured out what you were saying. <laughs> we both named our, our things Fearless. Fearless. A- <laughs> yeah. And so it only makes sense to
0: have you here. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so um, for people who don't know who you are, uh, I'd love you to kind of tell your story and how you got to where you are today
1: so yeah my my story's kind of crazy um and I, you would probably never know to look at me but i guess about 6 years ago i had a crazy year so i was uh planning a wedding i was planning uh, like a transatlantic move back to england which fell through um and then i and then we planned um a move to toronto which is assen- essentially across the country um in canada from where i was living before and um i got married i sold my house I went on honeymoon, I moved to Toronto. um, And then literally within two months of being in Toronto, I had these weird symptoms. And, you know, I I went to the doctor and they were like, oh, you know, it's probably um, something neurological. And I was like, did not understand at the time what neurological meant i just went back to work and was joking with my co-workers that oh you know i'm a bit crazy you know no big deal everyone knows that already yeah. um and uh he was like you know we're gonna get you in for a first ct scan and they called me really quick and went for the ct scan and the, and the nurse was like oh we're gonna you know pass this on to your your doctor and he'll get back to you within a week or two but they called me the next day and i was like oh my goodness so i had to go back to this doctor it was just a, at a walk-in clinic, you know, it's not like I didn't have a real doctor yet. I'd only been in uh Toronto for a couple of months. And he's like, You have um you have a lesion on your brain. And I don't know about you, Summer, like when someone says Do you have a lesion, it's like, oh, I have like a, a blister or a you know, yeah. something like that. Like it's a cut or something. <laughs> right. A yeah. lesion. And then yeah. through the space of a ten minute conversation, because that's all the time they give you, um, he's like, You have and the, the word lesion turned into a tumor. And I'm like, hang on a second. <laughs> no, no, no. You said I had a lesion. A lesion is a little thing on your finger, you know? Yeah. Um, so, then, so then, you know, I, I found out I had this brain tumor. It's a, called a meningioma. So I walked all the way back to work trying to memorize this word so I could Google it and find out what the hell was going on. And, you know, within a week, I had a neurosurgeon and, um, you know, and, and between him and my GP, who I had finally found a real doctor, um, they were kind of baffled because all of my symptoms didn't align with what was going on in my head with this tumor. And I'm like, why? It just didn't make sense to me. These guys weren't looking into anything. They were just going along with this whole tumor thing, which was plain and simple there in the scans. But I'm like, there's clearly something else going on that these people are not looking at. Um, So I ended up taking myself down to the States to have an MRI because here in uh, Toronto, as you know, you have to wait a good six months for that kind of thing Yeah, if you're not already in the system. So I went down to the States and, you know, within, again, within a day, the scan came back um, and it showed, of course, it showed the tumor, but it also showed demyelination, which is essentially um, multiple sclerosis. Wow! And they didn't catch it the first time around because the kind of scan they did um, doesn't pick up those things. There's only an MRI that can do that. And so within the space of a week, You know, I found out I had a brain tumor. I found out I had multiple sclerosis. Um, I had a neurosurgeon and I had brain surgery booked for six weeks later. And how old were you then? Uh, I was 31. Yeah, that's crazy. Oh my God, now people can age me. (laughs) (laughs) Everyone's got
0: their calculator out.
1: (laughs) Oh my God, she's this old. (laughs) But she looks so young. (laughs) It's okay, I still get ID'd. <laughs> um, yeah, and then you know, within six weeks, I was I was having brain surgery. I had my neurosurgeon. He was like, "Okay, we're just gonna oh so casually, we're gonna use this a, 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 kind of a drill and a saw, and we're gonna make this hole in your skull, and we're gonna just lift up your your left temporal left temporal uh, lobe there, and just pull out this tumor." And it's like, just like that, just matter of facts. I'm like, okay. <laughs> um, so, yeah, and that was, you know, the most terrifying moment in my life, like lying there in this operating room surrounded by these big, big metal contraptions that are designed to hold your head in a certain position and, um, you know, like having your head in a metal clamp essentially. Yeah. And, and after that, I took, I took three months off work um, to recover, um, but it really took me a whole year to get everything back in my life so within I guess I was home from the surgery after two days um, you know I was walking the dog out in the snow because it was winter time within five days Um, and then I was back and spinning um, which was something I was doing at the time maybe a month later but it took a lot of time to get everything back in my life so I could exercise or I could work I couldn't do both so there's only so much kind of collateral or can you hear my dog? Like yeah.
0: up that's not your digestive system. That's not. Right? That's not me. That's the dog. <laughs> that's
1: that's okay. Um, yeah. And then it was only maybe after a year that I could kind of mentally get my head around um, the the MS side of things. And I decided, okay, well, what's strong going in is strong going out. So if I figured if I had another MS attack, I needed to be as healthy and as strong physically as I could be to kind of, um, help me get through and kind of mitigate any issues that might happen. So I went and I found a personal trainer. Um, I started doing, um, a lot of heavy lifting with him and he introduced me to, um, this idea of going grain free because I wanted to lose weight. I had put on a lot of weight from the medications I was on a lot of, um, anti-epileptic medication and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. And, uh, And I went grain free and then, you know, he kind of gently nudged me and said, how about you read this book by a guy called Rob Wolf? And I read it and I was like, oh, okay. And I pretty much um, flipped that switch and it made a big difference to me. Like I lost, you know, 20 pounds really quickly. My health improved dramatically. And um, I guess the long and short of it is that I've been tumor free ever since. I've not had any more MS kind of issues to the point where my neurologist is like, I don't know if you have MS anymore. He's kind of questioning himself. (laughs) And, and then, uh, and I guess something that happened during that time when I was off work, I realized just before I had to go back into work was that, shit, I don't want to do this. Like I was a designer and I liked to design stuff, but the career and the people and the clients just were not for me. So I, you know, I started exploring what I wanted to do, and nutrition kept coming up. And but it took a couple of years to get into, you know, to actually make it happen. And I had to get over a lot of things, like my my whole long term relationship, like my with my husband, it fell apart because he didn't support what I wanted to do. Mm. And I decided that you know the things that happened to me were so profound and changed me so much that I couldn't just sit still and carry on with where I, you know, what I was doing that was fine for me before. I was perfectly happy doing it before, but there was no way it could continue after. Um, so I had to end that whole relationship in order to move forward and be able to go back to school, um, and really start pursuing nutrition, which is what I'm doing now. And the book you're ta-
0: we're talking that, uh, Rob Wolf wrote was the paleo solution for those of you that don't know and so yeah Yeah. so you essentially use the paleo diet to manage um to manage multiple sclerosis right
1: right and just general general inflammation because you know my doctors were like oh we don't know why you would have both things Mm -hmm. um you know neither specialty whether neurology nor neurosurgery could figure it out but i mean if you take a step back the thing that does unite them is inflammation And so that's where paleo has been a big thing for me because it's a really aggressively anti-inflammatory. And so, you know, that's really what I attribute to being where I am today. Not um, Not just stress reduction, which is a big thing, but also from a dietary point of view, too.
0: Yeah. And you really kind of, you know, made some huge changes in your life. I think ending a, a long term relationship, changing your career. Uh, I think a lot of people have can probably relate to that on some level, but don't actually make changes uh, towards, you know, breaking free of some of those constraints or, or stress or things that are, you know, weighing them down emotionally. Mm-hmm. And so you know like what advice would you have for people who have that who have resistance towards making those changes or towards putting themselves first like you know and and when I we talk about putting putting yourself first it's not about being you know like narcissistic and egocentric and and not caring about anyone else in your life but you know it's kind of like the off oxygen mask example where you have to you have to put on your own mask in order to look after others so totally yeah yeah so i mean what You know, what advice would you have for people who who have resistance towards putting themselves first?
1: Well, I think um, firstly, especially as women, culturally, we're put in the position to take care care of other people. And when you look after yourself, you know, when you, uh, you know, like take us, for example, if I call you and say, hey, let's do this, you know, let's go out and there's this great restaurant we need to go check out. And you say, you know what? I've been out too much lately. I need a night in. I just need to recharge. Um, a lot of people won't do that because it makes you seem like you're snobby or selfish rather than being self confident and self aware and assertive and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. So it comes down to just small stuff like that, just taking care of yourself and not just always going along with things. Um, but really, like I did some massive things, and I don't necessarily recommend that people go out and do that stuff on a whim. Like I, I, uh, I spent a couple of years thinking about things. I certainly spoke to some like like uh, therapists and counselors to help me make the right decisions to be confident in those decisions. Um, but really, you need to first of all figure out, you remove all issues from the equation. What do I want to do? Like, and just make an executive decision. Like for me, that was I want to be a nutritionist. I want to learn about food, and that was my decision. And then you figure out um, how you're going to get there. And you have to really, it's its tough. Like really we we avoid confrontation. You know, I had a lot of people who didn't agree with the fact that I wanted to do this. But I realized, and this came partly from my marketing career, is that by trying to please everyone, you're kind of creating the lowest common denominator of yourself. Yes, and, I love that. And you know for anyone who works in marketing or advertising, it's it's the bane of your life. You have a client who has a very specific audience and you create work for that audience, but then suddenly someone else comes into the picture on their side of things, and they're like, what about these people? They're not going to understand that. And the message gets watered down and watered down and watered down. And the same thing happens to you, to yourself, right? You forget what your passions are. You forget what you want for yourself. You know, if I was to throw it out there to, to people and say, um, what do you live for? You need to have an answer for that. Um, and so, and if you don't, you know, you're, you're really t- spending too much time on other people, whether that be your job or your family or things like that. Um, but really, you shouldn't, you need perspective, right? I don't want people to get to the point where I did, and that's what prompts them to make a change. You just need to... Honestly, you just need to fucking do it. Like, don't get to the point where you're standing there, you're about to have a brain tumor removed, you're having brain surgery, having a skull sort open, you're having a brain screwed around with by some stranger that you don't know. Um, that's how I got perspective, but you don't need to get that far, you know, just, I don't like, it sounds so simple to say, but you just have to freaking suck it up and once you know what you want to do, you have to find a way to do it. Mm-hmm. You know, like it's, 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 it's hard. I know to hear that, but, um, you shouldn't have to go through something big to give you like a big slap across the face. Cause sometimes that thing that's big,
0: you don't get a second chance from, uh, from it. Like you, I mean, you got, you got a second chance essentially. I mean, Right, but
1: before I went into my surgery, I had to write a will. Yeah. And so that, you know, you don't know what's gonna happen. Like I didn't know surgery, no matter how simple the surgeon says it's gonna be, Mm -hmm. anything could have happened. I could have been blind afterwards. I did lose my sense of smell, so I lost one of my senses. Um, You're only here for a finite amount of time. If you're not doing exactly what you want to be doing, like I just want to come and give you the biggest fucking slap across the face because people go through some really shit times and still make it work. If you're just lollygagging in your life and you know saying I really hate my job, I really wish I could do this, just go and do it. Yeah. You know? Yes, I love it. It, it drives me crazy.
0: Yeah, and I think on top of that, it's about setting some boundaries too. I mean, we t- yes. about you mentioned, you know, like pleasing everyone uh you know avoiding confrontation like these are kind of the the limiting factors that prevent us from taking those big steps forward and i think a, a big part of that is 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 setting boundaries and 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 you're really good at that like you you're very good at setting boundaries. You're much better than I am about it. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> yes, I do <laughs> from our business relationship. <laughs> um, yeah, and I, and, I, and I really admire that in you because I think that's a big sign of, um, you know, it's it definitely speaks to confidence, uh, you know, and letting go of like a, a perfectionist and people pleasing tendency.
1: Right, but also, you know, I'm a very sensitive person and uh, I, I am naturally a people pleaser, right? So I swing wildly between wanting people to like me all the time and doing whatever it takes for that to happen. To more of a this "fuck them all" approach, like I don't give a shit what they think about me. And more, like more and more, it's on the "I don't give a shit" side of things. But on a bad day, when you get tired, it's okay for things to swing the other way, you know? Uh, oh,
0: yeah, it goes in ebbs and flows. For sure. Nothing's, nothing's consistent when it relates to things like that.
1: Right. And that's when I call you and you're like, Sarah, (laughs) snap out of it. (laughs) Vice versa. So, you know, people are probably
0: listening to this and, and, you know, obviously really admiring some of the radical changes that you've made. What, what advice would you have for people who want to make these changes, but, you know, they lack resources? So, you know, maybe it's time or money or energy. I mean, maybe it's, you know, planning long term to kind of quit your job or or leave your relationship. That can often be uh, a lot of time. It can be a lot of finances as well as the stamina and energy required for it. So, you know, what's
1: like, you know, what can people do in that Mm -hmm. circumstance? Well, I think the first thing you need to realize is that not everything happens quickly. And just because it doesn't happen quickly doesn't mean that it's not happening. Um, so let's say you know you have a goal to go back to school or to move to another country or whatever, but you have to save money to do that. And you figure out your finances and you, you know, you're studying your Excel sheet and you figure it's going to take you two years to do that until you can get on that plane and leave. That two years is going to go by regardless. And if it gets to two years and you've done absolutely nothing about it, you'll look back and think, if only I had saved that $100 a month, I would be off to wherever I wanted to go. Mm-hmm. You know, like that, that time goes by anyways, and there's nothing worse than regretting something that you didn't do. Because you never know what's going to happen, right? Like, you might be like me, and you're out running and your gates off. And you're like, what the hell's going on? This is weird. And then you end up having brain surgery, like, it, you know, these, um, you have to find a way. And it's not about Money. It's not about resources. It's about being a problem solver. Mm-hmm. So I've always been a really good problem solver. I can always make things happen regardless. Um, so it's about being resourceful. So take, for example, and we're going to talk about this, I'm sure. So my, my class is Fearless Fermentation. So these are video-based classes. Um, and whenever you speak to someone who works in that industry, they're like, "Oh, it's really expensive you have you need your camera person, you need your sound person, you need a director, you need your this, you need your that, blah blah blah, and they need to feed all these people on the shoot. and then you need the right studio and then you need if you don't have a studio, you'll have location fees and they're like at least a thousand dollars a day and you know and it's just like if I had just stopped when I heard that, it would never my dream would never have happened of having these online fermentation classes. So I pulled all of my resources and all of my personal skills and I decided, okay, I'm going to shoot this myself. Um, I'm going to rent my studio from my photographer who did all the photography on my site Um, because I've a good relationship with her. i got a really good deal. Um, I have my own camera. I'm going to use that to shoot. I have a really good friend who's great with the camera. So she's going to bring hers. She'll be my my camera person. Um, I'm going to figure out how to use a mic and I'm going to do that all myself. You know, I'm going to, I just did it all myself and then I just paid a couple of people to do small things, but it's all about being resourceful. Things don't have to be perfect, um, you don't need to have all the answers, you can figure stuff out as you go, but you have to, you just have to do it, right, because it's better to fail at trying to do something rather than to not even try at all and wonder what what's going to happen or what would have happened.
0: Yeah, and I think, I mean, this is like, we're talking about this from a very big perspective in terms of your health and, uh, you know, obviously like a big project with your business, but I think it's Mm. also day-to-day things. It's also people who are, you know, probably listening who know they need to make some changes for their health, but, you know, or, or in their life to reduce their stress. That's a huge thing that I know we both see with our clients all the time, but, you know, having kind of, I know, I hate using the word excuses, but at the end of the day, like that, that's what it is. It's, it's that resistance towards, towards actually following through and finding a way to make it happen. And I think, you know, like you're a great example of how (laughs) you can, you can make, you can make things happen. You know, you, you, in fact, you have to make things happen. The world's not going to just hand it to you on a silver platter. Right.
1: No one's going to do it for you. And you know what? You, you just have to be an adult about it. You know, like yes. when, you're a kid, when you're a kid, you can be, oh, I just don't know how to do that. Or I'm not old enough to do that. Or, you know, I, I don't know, but as an adult, figure it out, get, read, get a book, read a book. You know, if you're low in finances, sell your TV, bring a cell phone plan down a level, you know, stop buying wine every weekend. Like there are things that you can do to kind of mold, you know, your path to getting to, to what you're looking for.
0: Yeah. And I think like how, and I, and I talked about this in a recent blog post, but how important was it for you to kind of, uh, and the message of start before you're ready?
1: <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, I mean, I guess the idea for my classes came up, I think it was in January, maybe in December, like we were talking, you, you and I were talking and, um, you're like, Sarah, why don't you just do these fermentation classes? Because you're obsessed with that. Just do what's easy for you. Um, and I was like, okay. I hadn't even thought about that because we tend to overcomplicate things. Yes. <laughs> um, but I had no idea how I was going to do it. I had no idea how I was going to get the money for it because I had no collateral whatsoever. Um, but I just started doing it and figuring it, figuring it out along the way. Like people just as, – as soon as you say it out loud – so I was like, yeah, I'm going to do that. I said that to you. I said it to our two friends that we hang out with. This is what I'm doing. I started speaking to a lot of people who I thought might be helpful to me. So I was speaking to a chef. I was speaking to some big people in the paleo community. Just saying, this is my, this is my plan. What do you think? Because as soon as you start putting it out there into the universe, things start falling into place. So you start before you're ready. I was telling big people like, you know, like Dallas and Melissa at Hall 9 um, Diane Sanfilippo at Balanced Bites. Like I was telling some really big people, this is what I'm doing, but I have absolutely nothing to show for it right now. I'm just putting it out there. And then all of these things started falling into place.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's great. I think sharing it with the world is an excellent thing to do and the internet's a really good place for that and I don't think there's any shame if things don't go as you planned or if you decide halfway through you know what this just wasn't right for me or this I'm just not feeling this I think it's you know people respect that and we're all human and and you have to expect mistakes along along the way
1: uh and 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 people understand yes yes they've been there they know that things can go wrong or things take longer than you expect and yeah yeah.
0: and if you have people that don't support that they're probably not worth being in the picture
1: anyways right yeah exactly so if you like I have family members who don't really like what I do for a living anymore but you know like it's hard if if you have self-doubts around these things you just can't have them in your life it doesn't matter who they are because if they're just going to put that niggly voice in your head that you can't do this um, then you're just just stuck where you are right you can't mm-hmm. it's just another barrier to get over exactly so with that voice in
0: your head did you did you have a voice in your head too and you know did you shut that voice up
1: <laughs> oh it's it's always well at least once a week it's there <laughs> <laughs> honestly but but what I do is um I acknowledge it. It's like, okay, you have a reason to be scared about this, or freaked out about this, or worried about this. So you just acknowledge it, and then maybe you go do something else for a while, or you go to bed early, and you wake up in the morning, and you keep going because you have to be a professional. Yeah, you have to. It doesn't matter if it's not about a business, or it could just be that you're training for a half marathon and you're having trouble with your motivation. Be a professional about it. You know, when you go to work, you have to do your job every day, regardless of whether you're feeling shit about yourself or whether you're hungover or whatever, you've got to be a professional. So be a professional in every area of your life and just get up and there will be days where you're not, you don't think you can do it, but you know you have to achieve something in that day, whether whether it's, um, you know, a certain goal in your, in your business or a certain length run or whatever it is, but you have to push and uh, that's the only way i found to, to overcome it. Yeah. I, I often make the comparison of like,
0: if you read a lot of business books, a lot of the kind of strategies apply to just everyday living.
1: <laughs> was yeah. Something
0: I've noticed being an entrepreneur is like all the sort of training that I've done or all the reading I do. Or, all, you know, you can apply those principles to your everyday life. You're essentially the CEO of your body. And so, uh, yeah. yeah, it was good that you kind of said that about, you know, it doesn't matter if it's your job or not. Like, you have to show up as if it is your job. Like, you really are the, the, the owner of, of your body. And so you have to be that CEO. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay, so let's jump into uh, the your fearless fermentation. So yes. for people who may be listening to this and they're like fermentation, you know, <laughs> that's scary. What are what are fermented foods like? You know, let's 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 get go from the beginning here.
1: <laughs> let's use a really simple example that everyone knows, and that's pickles. So pickled cucumbers. Yes, um, they are traditionally a fermented food. The ones that you find in your supermarket are kind of mass produced, and they're not produced in the same way anymore, but. The concept is that those pickles should be fermented. And what that means is that basically, um, our whole, all our environments, you know, your, your desk, your kitchen, our bodies are covered in bacteria. And we're always told the bacteria are bad and they make you sick. And, you know, you go into a hospital and you have to sanitize and all this stuff. So bacteria, the majority of bacteria do not make you sick they're actually very beneficial for you and it's good for you to be exposed to a wide variety of bacteria. Um, and so fermented foods are foods that have been preserved in such a way that encourages the natural bacteria on them to grow and flourish in your, in your jar, let's say in your jar of pickles. Mm-hmm. And by eating the, those pickles and that bacteria, it helps make you healthier. It exposes you to a wider range of bacteria. Um, which is something that we as humans have evolved to be exposed to basically. Um, and so fermented foods, we have pickles, we have sauerkraut, we have, um, things like kombucha and kimchi and yogurt and kefir and traditional ginger ale and all sorts of things like that are all fermented.
0: Cool. And so, you know, they're really easy to make at at home is, and that's really what your course is all about.
1: They are really easy to make at home, but there's a lot of people out there who may even have thought about it um, or may even have cookbooks that have these kind of recipes in them, but they never take that step to actually do it because there's this mental block about encouraging bacteria growth. Like it's something completely new. It's kind of like uh, cooking, learning how to cook for the first time. Like you remember when you were back at, College and you're away from home for the first time. You have to learn how to cook, and for me, when my first day at college, that was um, a carrot curry. I don't know. (laughs) Wow, that's pretty good. It was really bad. I uh, I couldn't. Mine was craft dinner. (laughs) It it can be as terrifying as that, and that's okay. But it's actually easier than learning how to cook. It's really easy. Um, So what I do in my classes is I teach people how to make really simple fermented foods. Right now, um, I have sa- a sauerkraut class and a kombucha class, which is basically a fermented tea that's kind of a fizzy drink. It's delicious. That's kind of like a cross between champagne and cider and your favorite tea. But it's not alcoholic. Um, and so those are some examples of what I have up there right now. Um, and it's from a beginner perspective. So I explain everything to do with um, you know, how the bacteria work, uh, to the point where you can leave, you can confidently leave your your s- kind of cabbage in a jar on the counter for several weeks and not be worried about it going moldy or anything like that. Because that's another thing that um, is very new in fermentation is that we leave things sitting around on the counter for a very long period of time when everything in your head is screaming at you, no, 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 it must be in the fridge. Um, and I teach you everything there is to know about bacteria so that you understand that um, the bacteria... Kind of this make this self protecting environment that prevents anything bad from happening to that food and makes it even more healthy for you.
0: The first time I made fermented foods, I was making pickles, uh, and uh, or kombucha, I can't remember which one came first, but uh, my husband was like, You're gonna get botulism <laughs> from doing I know. that. So there is a lot of fear out there that's a common
1: uh, concern yeah
0: yeah i mean uh you you are growing bacteria but from a health perspective um you know we we always hear about it you know fermented foods are good for us or i i always kind of try to encourage my clients to incorporate them into their into their diet but you know how how important are they for our health and what are those benefits
1: yeah well first of all i have to address the botulism comment (laughs) Okay, (laughs) (laughs) because people as soon as you say that people freak out there is there is i I, i'm not going to say no chance because someone might sue me but um there the whole botulism concern came from canning and so canning like when you make jam um basically you um are creating a completely sanitary environment in your jar And the whole process basically kills all bacteria, good and bad, in that jar of jam. Now, but if you don't heat your jar high enough to a high enough temperature in your kind of boiling bath of water, which is when you kind of seal the lid on your jar, Mm -hmm. um, if you don't heat it high enough, if there was botulism in there, which comes from the soil, um, that can survive, but everything else has been killed because of the heat. But botulism requires a particularly high heat. So if everything else has been killed and botulism survives, that means that it has a perfect environment to flourish and kill you. Okay. But with fermentation, we're encouraging um, good bacteria to grow. And even if there was some botulism in there for whatever unknown reason, um, we're creating this environment where it's like um, a naturally competitive environment. So we have, we're encouraging good bacteria to grow and they literally crowd out bad bacteria. Hmm, cool. Like they, okay. they physically can't exist in the same place. They, they live in different conditions, so that's to correct your lovely husband, Mike. Yeah, no, that's
0: actually really good because I, I, I didn't, I didn't know the answer to that. Um, and I also uh, I know a couple of people that work for um, infection control at a hospital, <laughs> and they will probably be very interested in that answer as well because I know that they've had some fears about kind of making their own uh, kombucha and whatnot. So I'm am actually really <laughs> my intention wasn't to have you talk about that at all, but that's really awesome. I'm glad I but, have that info now.
1: Yeah. <laughs> so back I can't to just leave that.
0: Yeah, no, and I'm so glad you cleared it up. Not just well, mainly for myself, but I'm sure other people out there are like, oh, okay.
1: Yeah. So why what are the health benefits? Yeah. So um basically in our bodies we have ten times the number of bacteria than we do our own cells. Which is a crazy statistic. So they lift our gut is full of bacteria, they're all over our arms, they're all in our nasal passages, they're everywhere in our bodies. There's 10 times more of them than us. And so we have this symbiotic relationship with these bacteria. And if they get upset, if we upset the balance in our bacteria and our body, it affects our health. Mm-hmm. And so one way that we can avoid that from happening is to consume fermented foods. There are other things that we can do, like avoiding certain medications like antibiotics and the birth control pill and any kind of long-term medication use. But um, fermented foods, um, are something that you can consume every day to help protect that really important part of our body. It's like a hidden organ, essentially, in our body that we can't see. And so um, they are involved in immune modulation. So if you are the person who always gets sick at work, if you always get the cold and flu, you most likely have an imbalance in your bacteria, and consuming fermented foods would really help um, prevent that from happening. You would not get as sick as much. Um, They help speed the healing process. They um, have anti-inflammatory effects in the body. They help us digest our foods, um, absorb our vitamins and minerals, and they help create vitamins as well. All of these bacteria have these effects. And so by feeding them with fermented foods, we're just supporting that whole complicated system going on in our bodies.
0: And they've been depleted in our body. Like, you know, if, People who are eating kind of a modern day a modern day diet, uh, you know, odds are pretty good that they've been depleted. Like that, they, yeah. you don't have a good kind of balance of enough of the good bacteria, right?
1: Right, and and you know, it's pretty normal for everyone to have had several rounds of antibiotics in a life. With women to be on the birth control pill, all of these things really, really affects, in particular, our gut flora. Um, and you know, an imbalanced gut of gut flora, which is called gut dysbiosis is connected to all sorts of really chronic diseases like autoimmune diseases, diabetes, neurological conditions, allergies, food intolerances, mental health issues, obesity, cancers, like there's so much there. Mm -hmm. So it's simply by consuming um, fermented foods, you can help prevent your risk of these diseases um, and they can help treat them as one part of a protocol to, to work on a condition.
0: Yeah. And so I think, you know, the birth control thing, birth control pill, I I think that comes probably as a surprise to a lot of people.
1: Mm
0: -hmm. Uh, So you know, and obviously it's totally up to the person's choice to be on the birth control pill. And so for somebody who wants to continue taking the birth control pill. Is this gonna help? Like you know, eating fermented foods will that help to mitigate it, or will it never fully actually be a perfect kind of bacterial environment until they go off of it?
1: Right. So, anyone who's on the pill, like there's there's no judgment. I was on it for I don't know how many years. Oh, me too. Um, um so it, but it does cause issues in your digestive tracts that can be far reaching. But consuming digest, um, digested foods, con- consuming fermented foods can really help mitigate that from a digestive point of view. There's other stuff that the pill does from a hormonal point of view that that is completely separate. Mm-hmm. Um, but certainly, yes, it's something that I, would rec- I, I recommend to every single client of mine. because traditionally, like every traditional culture has a fermented food that it eats. It just so happens that here in North America, we have for the most part lost that.
0: Mm-hmm. And so, you know, how much, we're talking about eating these foods, but like how, how often, how much would somebody want to kind of try to incorporate them into their everyday life?
1: Um, every day, for sure. Okay. So I recommend to people twice a day. Okay. Some people I say three times a day, like my clients, if they're, if they're pretty sick, but twice a day for sure. So maybe something with lunch and dinner and then maybe uh sorry lunch or dinner and then maybe a drink during the day that's fermented so that could be kombucha for example so that's something you can just drink without even thinking that it's fermented
0: and how so how, what kind of quantities are we talking about because we're t- if we're if we're talking about sauerkraut some people mm-hmm. may seriously have their you know nose turn up at the thought of eating sauerkraut every day so (laughs) um, (laughs) what's the portion size that we're looking at here
1: well you don't have to eat i mean i actually recommend eating a good variety of things but find something that you like to start with because it isn't acquired taste it's sour we don't get a lot of sour things in our diet Mm -hmm. um so whether it's kimchi or whether it's kefir like find the thing that you like Mm -hmm. and then but we'll use sauerkraut as an example since you brought it up um I would start with like a quarter cup with your meal and then see how you feel. If you tolerate that fine, um, you can increase it to either more in one meal or smaller amounts across multiple meals in the day. Mm -hmm. Now, if you get any kind of digestive bloating, it's just a sign that your flora in your digestive tracts are kind of out of balance and that gassiness that kind of occurs after you consume fermented foods is die off. So basically the good bacteria you're introducing are displacing the bad bacteria in your digestive tracts and they're dying and they produce gases as they die, which is a thoroughly disgusting thought. Um, but it's a sign that you need more fermented foods. So you, you, if you get this bloated sensation, kind of take a step back and consume it a, bit, a little bit less and then slowly increase it and, to kind of avoid those symptoms.
0: Yeah. So, how like how does someone know if they need for, if they need fermented foods? I know we're kind of saying you know everybody should eat them, but let's be realistic here. Not everybody's going to actually do that. So, right. what are some of the things to look for? So, you know, if somebody's listening and they're and they can say, I know you mentioned like if you're always getting sick, and yeah. obviously like digestive troubles, but what what other things can people or birth control pill use? What other things can people look for?
1: Um. So, really, um. Outside of any kind of big diagnosis, like an autoimmune condition where you know that's a given, um, or any of those things that we've mentioned before, if you're an everyday person, going about your everyday life, um, any kind of digestive upset, and I'm not talking about just an, like an upset stomach, like diarrhea, I'm talking about constipation, um, cramping, anything like that. Any kind of, anything wrong with your digestion, you should be consuming them. Um, If you get get sick all the time, Um, if you have skin issues, you know, if you have, um, you know, maybe you have acne, you have um, any kind of psoriasis, anything like that, which is an autoimmune condition. Um, Any kind of bacterial or fungal overgrowth. So you may not necessarily know this, you know, you may not realize that this is going on, but things like if you have athlete's foot, that's a sign to me that you have some kind of systemic um fungal and bacterial imbalances in the body mm. because all that stuff stems in the digestion but then it moves systemically through your body so that's a sign um because you know when you have a sh- when you go for a shower at the swimming pool and not everyone gets athlete's foot from that experience it's only certain people who get it and that those are the people who have poor bacterial imbalance in the body okay. people who have um allergies uh food intolerances um and of course any kind of chronic medication use there's a whole load of things, you know people who have um, adrenal fatigue, for example, um, or who are just exhausted over time, the, the protective effect of the bacteria in the digestive tracts helps seal up the digestive lining, which helps prevent things from getting into the bloodstream, which helps prevent an overactivation of the immune system, which helps prevent a stress response, which stresses out the adrenal. So there's so many different ins and outs, but which is why I say, yeah, everyone
0: has yeah. To have
1: them yeah no i think it's i think it's i i I think it's good to say that and i think
0: that uh you know we there's so many different options like you said but i also just want to say because i've tasted this the the sauerkraut with the raisins
1: i can't remember oh my apple raisin sauerkraut yeah it's so good i know it's
0: not it's not like other sauerkrauts and is that one in the that one's in the program is that right yeah Yes. yes okay so yeah. That one's in the online course. It's ama- It's amazing. I'm telling you, I don't, um, you know, I, I do like sauerkraut, but this one was like one I could actually really pile high on a plate and, and, <laughs> and love, you know, I eat fermented foods. Uh, some of them I love like kombucha and whatnot, but sometimes I just, and, and pickles I love, but sometimes I eat sauerkraut because I know that, you know, I should, or I know I need to. Um, but <laughs> the, yeah, that the cinnamon, or the raisin apple cinnamon or whatever it is it's amazing it is
1: <laughs> it's a hit in my house too
0: yeah it's so good and it's amazing so I mean you created all these recipes and I know mm-hmm. you mentioned before you know you don't have a sense of smell was that a limiting factor at all in this whole whole process
1: um that's why I have good friends it's a taste test my friends are doing my recipe testing but I mean, I haven't had a sense of smell for six years now, so it's not really anything new to me. Yeah, um, I, There's a lot of food that I don't taste, um, but I would like to think that my other, you know, the taste that comes from your tongue, because 70 or so percent of your taste comes from your nose, from your smell. Mm-hmm. I, I'm, I'd like to think that the stuff from my tongue is more sensitized, so I have a good sense of um, when things are done from a fermented point of view because I can sense that sourness, Um, but I also just trust, I I trust my intuition. Yeah. Um, and I think that's definitely something that we've lost culturally is to trust our intuitions when it comes to food. Yeah. That's
0: so cool. I love it. You know? So tell us about, tell, tell me, tell everyone a little bit more about fearless fermentation. Like what, what, what do people get? What's included? Mm
1: -hmm. Yeah. So they get, um, when you sign up, basically you're getting, a full class on how to learn how to make a certain kind of fermented food. Right now I have two classes, as I said, sauerkraut and kombucha. And so you get this class and then you also get access to an exclusive community where I'm there, as is everyone else, taking the classes with you um, to answer your questions, to, you know, share your pictures with, like, look at my first batch of uh, kombucha, you know. Um, so you have people there to help you, um, at all times. So when you go in, you have three videos and they take you through every step of the process. Um, you have a downloadable recipe book, you have a troubleshooting guide, you have a fermentation journal specific to that particular kind of fermented food or drink so that it teaches you how to keep track of things and how to um, prevent bad things from happening to it, basically to prevent any like mold happening. So it really teaches you what's going on inside your, in your jar of sauerkraut, for example. Mm-hmm. Um, as well as transcripts, of course, for people who like to skip through things like that, but I mean that 's really it like it 's an all encompassing thing. You have the videos, you log into my site, you see all this information, you come to the the community, and i 'm there to help you out and indulge your your nerdiness and wanting to learn how to ferment stuff. Yeah, I mean I think it's it's really
0: awesome. It's really, it's beautifully done. It's really comprehensive. Uh, you know, you certainly have an eye for design, so that's you can definitely tell from that. But I know when I first made kombucha and I first made um sauerkraut and I first made pickles, it was such an intimidating process. And there's so much troubleshooting that goes along with it. So I think that this can really be that answer to beginners as well as more experienced people who wanna really try some new things that you've got uh offering on offer like in terms of different recipes or, or techniques and whatnot
1: right and a lot of people have have signed up um even though they have already made some of these things before but they're not really working out as they expect right they're having some problems and um you know i cover all that in the class like this is why this is happening and if you do xyz this prevents this in three weeks time so um, a lot of people are coming in who are not necessarily concerned with it, but this is not quite working as it should. Mm-hmm. So, yeah.
0: Yeah, it's great. And what's the price point on it? Because I think that that's people.
1: It's um, $24.99 know. for life membership for each class, or you can buy, right now I have a bundle and it's both classes um, for, I think it's thirty nine ninety nine. Yeah, I think so too. I, sh- I should know that. Um, and where can people find it? Um, you just go to my website. It's Sarah Ramsden.com and you can either navigate from there or you can do slash fearless fermentation on the end of the URL. And right now there are two classes, but, um, they'll be coming. There should be another two in a couple of months. I'm just continually working on them, get them out there. Yeah. Awesome. So the last question that I
0: like to ask all my guests is what is the most fearless thing that you have done? Um,
1: I think probably, oh God, I don't know. I think when you look back in hindsight on things, you're like, oh yeah, that was no big deal. Brain surgery, no big deal.
0: (laughs) It's pretty fearless. (laughs) Whatever.
1: (laughs) (laughs) But it's always like what's in the immediate that it seems the thing that's the biggest. So uh, I guess I would have to say like starting my own business and despite the naysayers. Yeah. Great. And then I I have some big stuff coming as well, but I, I just can't talk about it yet. Yeah. That's awesome yeah just because I know (laughs) I know
0: you know (laughs) we'll save that for another episode yeah (laughs) so I was going to ask you what's next for you but uh I know you kind of highlighted it but do you have any ideas in terms of what classes are going to be coming up for fearless fermentation
1: yeah so there's going to be definitely um fermented vegetables so I'm going to show you how to ferment everything from carrots to cauliflower um I'm looking over at my kitchen table to see what I have sat there right now. (laughs) All sorts of things um, to show you the breadth of what you can do and it's just really easy. Like it's literally a project you can get your kids in charge of and you don't have to worry about it. Um, And then I'm doing a lot of recipe testing right now. It's a toss up between kefir, like milk kefir, water kefir, um, or ginger ale. Ginger ale, I think I said that weird. Um, yeah. So I don't know. We'll see. We'll see which one um, produces ro- results quickest, and I'll just roll with that. And then the other ones will come later.
0: And then I think that making your own fermented foods, it was when I was doing it, I, I haven't, I kind of lost all my babe my scobies and whatnot when I did a renovation on my house, but, and I haven't rebirthed any, but. <laughs> It's really fun. It's like, it's kind of like having a new pet. You know, you check on it every day. You like, you're like, oh, how's it doing? It is. And uh, and so I think, you know, especially if people have kids or um, it can be a really fun thing for the family too. And then just for yourself, because I, I had so much, I don't have kids, but I had so much fun with it myself. And your friends come yeah. over and they're like, what is that? You know, what, 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 what is, what's a SCOBY? And uh, yeah, it, it's kids, really Kids cool.
1: seriously love it because you can teach them so much about chemistry and biology with it. So
0: yeah. And it,
1: it doesn't, it really, once you get it, once you do it,
0: it really doesn't take any time and it no, saves so much money because, you know, if we're talking about uh, people eating, consuming, you know, like quarter, half a cup a day, if you buy a jar of sauerkraut for, you know, some of the jars that I buy are like $10 a jar and that would right. last probably two days in my house. So you're and saving so And they're so also much money. made
1: in such a way that they put tons of water in so it's like they're fluffing it fluffing it up so it's yes. not actually as much in there as there could be but to make your own jar the same size it's you know how much does a cabbage cost a dollar 50 yeah pennies um really? and some salt and that's it so mm-hmm. it's nothing and actually you create you kind of establish some weird fermentation humor and like our joke is is that the scobies crawl out of their containers every night and they hang out with the dog and they fight and the the scoby always wins (laughs) (laughs) you know we have lots of weird conversations in my house like that (laughs) That's but, what happens in the but rest But I, I won't tell you anymore. Of them <laughs> people think I'm completely crazy. Everyone's got weird skeletons
0: in their closet. That one's actually not too bad. <laughs> all right. Well, thank you so much for all of your time sharing your story and talking to us all about fearless fermentation. Uh, definitely check out sarahramsden.com and I will link to that uh, on the website and get fearless about fermentation. And I'll just spell it for you in case you're wondering. Sarah is S-A-R-A-H and Ramsden is R-A-M-S-D-E-N. So just the way it sounds, it's pretty phonetic. And that's it. So thank you so much for being here. Thank you, wifey. Yay. And rock on. I'll talk to you soon. See ya. And don't forget to head to summerinandin.com or summerthenutritionist.com to grab my free rule breakers guide to rocking your body where you'll get 10 free missions to complete right now so that you can break up with the diet mentality and love your body. And if you liked what you heard, please leave me a review on iTunes. It's really, really simple to do and I would be so grateful for it. Until next time, rock on.